Allah can have a or a. Right. And what differentiates those two uh, sounds is a zawa. Exactly. Oh. So it moves the sound, moves the letter one way or another. And hence the word zawa. Hi friends, this is Steve and welcome to episode 47 of the Assyrian Podcast. As an Assyrian, I've heard of this group called Zoa or the Assyrian Democratic Movement a number of times throughout my life, but I never really understood who they were or why they existed. Well, last year I was at the Assyrian National Policy Conference in Washington, D.C., and that's when I was introduced to Alexander David. Alex has been an active member of the Assyrian Democratic Movement ZOA since 2009. Currently, he's the Illinois sector director of the movement, and I had the pleasure of learning about him and the movement to share with you all. This is one of those episodes that reminds me of the diverse richness within the Assyrian culture. There are real leaders and it is refreshing to watch them carry out their commitments with integrity and passion. Now, before we air this episode, I have a couple of announcements. Last week, the Assyrian podcast went over 25,000 downloads. That is so exciting, and we never thought when we started this thing that it would gain the kind of life it's gaining among the Assyrian community and beyond. It goes to show you how many of you really care about your heritage, and also shows how beautiful and alluring our culture really is. And with that being said, the second big announcement is that our big... Episode 50 is coming up in just a few weeks. Episode 50 marks a huge milestone for us, and we'd love to hear directly from you, our audience. We'd love for you to leave a voicemail or message telling us your name, location, your favorite episode, and why. We'll be randomly selecting messages to air as a part of that episode. Also, feel free to email us your thoughts, and we can read them aloud. If you want to call, dial 415 349-3845 and leave us a message or email us at info at assyrianpodcast.com The Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Calgaracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident please reach out to Tony Calgaracos Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. And now, here is Alexander David. Alex is a born and bred Chicago Assyrian. Yes, I am. Proud of it, too. Chicago Assyrians really have their own personality. I mean, you guys are known. I hope in a good way. Yeah. I truly hope in a good way. I mean, I think Chicago is just well known for being a little bit of a tough city. Um, But I hope as Assyrians, we just were good to our nation. That's the most important thing, to me at least, as an Assyrian Chicagoan, per se. Assyrians in Chicago have represented Assyrians as well as anyone. From an insider, it's kind of hard to to know what it's like. So from the outside looking in, I'm I'm glad to hear those hear those words. So what was it like growing up in Chicago as an Assyrian? Actually... Very, I was always within a community, within a Syrian community. So I've never not been around Assyrians. You know, in the neighborhood I grew up in, the schools that I went to, um, relatives were always very close, you know. So 
everything was very, very close in terms of the community, you know. Uh, I could just walk out the street and I could see an Assyrian, basically. You know, walk down the street and you'll see an Assyrian. That's how, that's how uh, close-knit close of a community we used to be. Um, after so many years, Assyrians started moving away into the suburbs. So they started spreading across the Chicagoland area and into the northern suburbs. So as time went on, it was harder to see Assyrians as regularly as I used to. Yeah. And nowadays, you're still living in Chicago? I still live in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I haven't moved. I've been in the same area pretty much all my life. Oh, wow. And then you're married with two kids? No, no kids yet. Yeah, married about a year and a half now. Congratulations. Thank you. So you grew up in Chicago, and then for college, you ended up getting an accounting degree? Correct. I got my undergrad in accountancy, yes. And what made you decide to choose that? I felt that uh, accounting covers more than finance, and I knew I was going to actually practice finance. But I figured if I got an undergrad in accounting, it would be easier to land a job in accounting or finance. But if you did, a, if you got an undergrad in finance, it wouldn't be as easy to land a job in accounting or finance. So it gave you the broader perspective of basically jumping into any pool you wanted to versus uh, finance undergrad only limited you to a financial practical workplace. Basically. Exactly. And have you found success in finance and accounting? Thank God, yeah. I've I've been I've been uh, successfully employed for the last I want to say eighteen years of my thirty six year old life. So. Nice, awesome. So, do you want? Can you tell us a little more about what you do, kind of on the day to day? Professionally, yeah. Professionally, I'm uh, the director of uh, business management and finance for uh, AT and T, um, which is I think a very well known company. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, been with them coming up on nine years now, almost ten. Um, and it's been a great company, uh, but I sort of manage uh, about a $2 billion portfolio for them, a business segment called Network, network Integration. Um, so it's been a great, great, great experience working for them, had a good time, um, great company to work for. I don't see myself leaving, to be honest with you. So it's something that I expect to be there, I expect to be there for until I retire. Um, so it has that longevity kind of company. Good for yeah, you. I see people retiring their 40, 50 years of of service. So it's a good place to be at. And is it okay to put on the radio that you do $2 billion and all that? Uh, it's public. It's on, it's on our financials. So it's, it's, completely, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. it's public information. We're a publicly traded company. So the SEC knows exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So does the IRS. So they know what um, network integration does at this point. So mm -hmm. once you break down the financials in terms of like our 10K and whatnot, you'll see all that information. It's public information. Yeah. So you're well entrenched in the, in that world and, I'm assuming, you know, you love that world, you're committed to that world, but then you've got this other side to you. You are the director of the Illinois sector of the Assyrian Democratic Movement, also known as ZOA, and that's completely different, right, than what you do from your day-to-day -day finance and all that kind of stuff. Completely different, yeah. It's an entire different world. Um, it, I do finance because of the financial position it puts me in. I work for my nation because of the passion that I have for it. So completely different types of um, reasons. Yeah. But yeah, it's a whole different world as well. So for those of us that maybe aren't as familiar, tell us like the Assyrian Democratic Movement. What's it all about? Um, and then we want to know, how did you get involved with it? Well, the Assyrian Democratic Movement is a, is a political organization. It's a movement. Um, so it has an ideology. It has principles um, that started in the late 70s. Officially, um, on the books, it says April 12, 1979, 
but it started in terms of the progression of it a couple years prior to that. So nobody exactly knows what date, but the date is April 12, 1979 in terms of where it started. And it started as a as a patriotic, as a nationalistic, and a political movement. So those three components. Um, and it was the first of its kind. Um, and it was heavily against um, the regime at the time, the Ba'ath regime, the Saddam Hussein regime. And uh, as time went on, we, the members at the time, the founders, proved to show a lot of resilience against the government uh, to a point where even sacrificing themselves and giving martyrs for our nation. Um, and I, most people know uh, the founding martyrs who were Hubert Yosef and Yuchanna, um, but there were martyrs prior to that and martyrs after that. And I think after, you know, after 84, 85, when we, we basically, um, th they went to martyrdom, um, that was when that echoed into diaspora. Now, mind you, in the 80s, we didn't have technology as we do right now. So it was all through word of mouth and through sending people back and forth of, you know, delivering the message in terms of what's going on in Iraq. And once that's but once that echoed into diaspora, um, I think generally most of our nation started supporting the ADM, started supporting Zawa. That's where Zawa grew really strong and started really mobilizing its people. And uh, in the in eighty five, actually in eighty six, it's eighty five and eighty six. In, in those years, um, they started going up into the mountains actually, and uh, alongside um, various other oppositions to the government. Um, fought against the government of, of uh, the Iraq at the time, of the Iraq government, which was led by Saddam Hussein, obviously. So the mountains became sort of a safe place or, or a hiding place? Uh, it became the, yeah, it, as they say. Um, they went into the mountains to actually to oppose the government, and it was harder for the government to reach them there, you know? Um, they were more familiar with the terrain? Absolutely. More familiar with the terrain and more coverage. You know, it was harder for them, it was harder for the government to reach them. It's like true guerrilla warfare. Absolutely. And yeah. that's that's what really sparked the movement was um, was that armed struggle. And we have a name for it. It's called Duraram Zaina. So the martyrs, along with that armed struggle of us actually making that move into the mountains to fight against the government, is what really um, what really made Zoa what it was. You know, that, that really true, strong, patriotic, nationalistic, political movement. And... And this was a response to the violent oppression that they were facing from the Ba'ath regime who wanted to Arabize that whole area. And what we have is in the middle of all that, we have a resistance movement, small ethnic minority group, the Assyrian people, and the ADM is found. So that's actually really awesome to know that it's birthed out of resistance to fight back and to say, you know what, we're not going to be treated this way. Absolutely. Um, it was even recognized in 2003 by the George Bush administration as an opposition force by the U.S. government, officially recognized. And I still have the, the documents to prove um, that statement where uh, that administration recognized us as, that oppo as an opposition force. So the Which Democrat they valued because they were at war with the Saddam Hussein regime. Absolutely. Yeah, we helped with intel, with, with, with uh, just that force against the government at the time. Yeah to help relieve us of oppression. And and you are the director of the Illinois chapter. So why do they have, you said they came out to the diaspora. So what had happened was they needed support or wanted to get the word across the world? 
Well, in the 90s, um, what happened was they created chapters in diaspora. They sent um, people out of Iraq, um, a couple people. They sent them out to sort of spread the word. And um, in the spreading of the word, they created administrations um, in diaspora, in Chicago. Chicago was the first place they created uh, a cell or um, a chapter. And now uh, there's, I think, over 11 chapters across, or 11 sectors across, across the world. Um, and they act as veins to the heart, basically. And we pump support both financially um, and also uh, morally in terms of uh, votes or, or support or even mobilization of our people, um, like in D.C. and other places. How did they get the name Assyrian Democratic Movement, like? What is that representing? What is that saying? Um, the word zawa actually means movement. Um, it comes in terms of the alphabets. So zawa are, you know, skapa, ptacha, you know, it, it moves the letters, right? So this is a Syrian democratic movement, zawa demokrataya aturaya. So we move democracy, we move the nation. And that was the intention of the word zawa. Um, it means movement. So that's where the word comes from. Yeah, our, and the way our, our alphabets are, you know, like, you know, Alep can have A or A. Right. And what differentiates those two uh, sounds is a Zawa. Exactly. Oh. So it moves the sound, moves the letter one way or another. And hence the word Zawa, you know, it's, it's a this, movement. It's this fluid movement that, that is um, helping guide the nation. Absolutely. Especially in the midst of oppression. Absolutely. And it has to move in that specific manner with that sort of subtlety. It's got a subtle move, right? Because the, the difference in those two t sounds is subtle. It is. It is very subtle, absolutely. But it does move it, though. Exactly. You know, so it, it, is, it is subtle. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's been around for 39 years as of now. Um, and uh, we, we've, been, we've had our ups and downs just like anything has. But something that we've continuously done is we've continuously... Um, worked. Mm -hmm. We've never stopped working for this nation. Well, again, we've had successes, we've had failures, but we've always learned from our mistakes, and we will continue, I think, making those mistakes, and we will continue to have these successes. And that's just a movement. But it's you know the only way you're gonna you're gonna have a problem is if you're moving, right? If I'm sitting at home doing nothing, I will not make a mistake, will I? Because I'm not doing anything to make a mistake, right? Right. But that's the thing. So in in that process of actually working you're going to make mistakes you're going to have successes and i think the movement has had both so going back to your story though you born and bred in chicago but here you are the director of a of the adm that is really helping people in iraq where did that kind of passion for you come from i never thought i would ever be the director of the movement um in 2007 all I wanted to do was just work for my nation. Um, and I wasn't sure where. And I started helping out with some local demonstrations that were going on in Chicago. And that's as far as it got for a year. And I was just sort of getting involved little by little until I ran across Zoa. And I realized that I want to get involved um, in a political capacity um, and slash nationalistic capacity. And I never intended ever on being the director of the movement. I just wanted to work. And I still consider myself a servant of this nation. And 
as long as I'm working for this nation, no matter what my title is, I'm going to be a servant of this nation. And that's all I do is serve my nation. Because I don't get paid for this, you know, and I don't expect to get paid. My compensation is the success of my people, is the progression of my nation. That's how I get paid, is to see my nation progress. That's how I get paid. That's, what I, that's, that's, that's what makes me feel good. It's not like my other job, as we were talking about earlier, right? That's, there's a compensation. There. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's, a, there's a monetary value of, of, of reimbursement. In this case, it's not. It's seeing Khirut Nashi, seeing my people's liberation, seeing me get somewhere, right? I need my people to remain where they should be, which is my, my ancestral homeland, my roots, which is um, in Iraq, specifically um, the northern Iraq area. So with that being said, what's going on with Zoa today? Um, and what do you feel comfortable sharing in regards to that? Um, well, given all the things that have happened, um, you see, Zoa's had a lot of adversaries. Um, a lot within our community and also foreign, right? But I think our biggest hurdle has been internal. I don't think people have understood Zoa. And for a lot of tribal reasons and otherwise, some people have actually turned their back against Zawa because they think that Zawa associates to a certain tribe or a certain religion, uh, which is not the case. Zawa has all sorts of um, religion denominations. It has all sorts of tribes. It's not limited to only one. Um, and I think people have always mistook that, and um, it has caused Zawa to sort of have a bad rep in the past. Um, and that's never been the case. But I think through so many things that have occurred as, as, time, as, time, as time sort of progresses and we sort of um, get a better understanding of, of what Zoa truly is, is where more people are coming out to support it. Today, um, we're sort of in a, at a crossroads right now. As a nation and as a movement, but more importantly as a nation, because the nation always comes first. People always think that, no, we put Zawa first. No, we don't put Zawa first. We put the nation first, but we work our path as the ADM. That's our path. But I work for my nation before I work for anything. So if I'm hearing you correctly, then there have been times where it's been perceived that the movement has cared more about keeping it itself intact than it has keeping the nation going forward falsely yeah yeah so people have straight fundamentally disagreed with a specific direction and said oh they, they must only care about themselves correct and we've we've heard that many times where people always say well well you know you always put zoa first before the nation well that's not true specifically when it comes to our symbol a lot of people say well why do you have the zoa symbol why do you bring it to parades and to events why not the Assyrian flag? Well, the Assyrian flag is my flag, but Zoa is my symbol. And I'll give you a very good explanation as to why. Our neighbors in the north, the KRG, they can't specifically... The what KD- does KRG stand for? The Kurdish Regional Government. But specifically the KDP, right? They can tolerate the Assyrian flag, but the Zoa symbol is a sign of protest to them. They can't tolerate the Zoa symbol. So we take pride in the fact that we are a thorn in their eye, right? Even to our neighbors who oppress us, who steal our lands, who confiscate our lands, who encroach our lands, who oppress us till this day, I will remain a thorn in their eye. And that's what makes me proud to be a Zoa member, right? Is that I will remain, and I'm, I'm, I have an opposition, 
that's my that's my opposer, and I'm gonna sort of, you know, stand up to their face and and prove them. But again, as an as an Assyrian, Kurds accept Assyrians. They really do. In some certain cases, they actually buy Assyrians. There are pro- Kurdish proxy organizations under the Assyrian name. Now I'm not gonna name them, but I'm sure people know who they are. I don't understand that very well. So what you're telling me is that there, uh, that the Kurdistan government um, appreciates Assyrians and will vote for Assyrians as long as, I mean, help me understand what you're getting at when you say that. Okay, let me let me rewind a little bit. So, in 2010, well, a little bit before that, um, the KRG wanted to marginalize the ADM and sort of suppress our voice, suppress our strength. So the ADM represents Assyrian leadership, Assyrians sitting at the table, whereas Assyrians in and of themselves don't really have any other way of, of vocalizing. The ADM represents the free Assyrian. Okay. Not just the Assyrian who will do whatever the Kurdistan government wants them to do. Correct. Correct. We, we And people always ask, they always ask us this question. They say, well, why don't you work with the Kurds. Mm-hmm. Well, I will work with the Kurds, as I'll work with the Arabs. I have to. I'm in, that, I'm in that region. But I won't work for the Kurds. Working with somebody is very different than working for somebody. Unfortunately, there are Assyrian, pro- there are Assyrian organizations that are Kurdish proxies, and they work for the Kurds. Does that make sense? If you can't beat them, join them. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, we won't join them. You know. But is there ever a time of compromise... Oh, it's politics. There's always there. that's that's what we have to understand is we're working in politics, right? There mm-hmm. has to be there has to be some give and take, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to compromise my principles. My principles are not they're not for sale, right? So I'll compromise on certain negotiating points, you know, in terms of like specifically lawful points in terms of like what I can gain for my people and whatnot. But in terms of principles, I will not sacrifice those whatsoever. And I don't think any any ADM member will. So ADM is less about it's it's less about free flowing with everyone and it's more about making sure we hold ourselves to a certain standard. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not I don't have to always sizgidin, you know, or, or agree with my brethren just because he's my brethren. As a matter of fact, I'm as guilty if I don't call him out. But if it's if there's a compromise that will help the nation, then they're not. It's not so far as to say, you know what? Hey, we can let go of this one thing because we want to help move forward. As long as it's not compromising my principles, absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you feel like the um, ADM has been effective in everything they're trying to do? Um, like I said earlier, we've we've had we've had our successes and we've had our failures but i think we've been very effective um and i think our failures have come because of the fact that people don't understand what we're trying to do and they don't understand the situation that we're in in terms of how much opposition we have you know especially in terms of what's recently happening as of today i mean you got the north who's you know the northern the the kurds who are trying to steal your steal your voice and now you have the south right who it was we see in, as of recent elections, um, are trying to steal your voice. And then in front of you, you have your own people who are sort of trying to suppress you and sort of knock you down for the wrong reasons, you know? Um, and I think that's what's caused us to sort of 
to sort of have failures. Yeah. So going back to the recent elections, you, you mentioned the recent elections. What happened in the recent elections? Well, uh, they're still pending as of right now. So probably by the time this gets broadcasted, we might know what the results are. But what happened in the recent elections, and um, it's very simple. It's, it's In 2010, um, we ran in the elections and we acquired three votes, three seats. Of how many? Of five. And the reason why I say a five is that um, the, the Iraqi parliament has 329 total seats. They allot five for the Christian minorities. Okay. Seems like a small number. It is, but it's based off population size, right? Okay. So it's in, it's in comparable to how many people you have living in, in so the country. So of the 329 seats. Yeah, five belong to, the, to us. To, to Syrians? To, to Christians. Okay, to Christians, Christians. Which encompasses the Yazidis or no? No. Yazidis have their it own. It encompasses quotas. the Chaldean. Chaldean, Syriac, Assyrians. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's not very many. I mean, that's, uh, th- that is a decent number then with that being said. Um, it's arguable. Okay. It's arguable. Some can say, no, we need more because of the, of the oppression we've had, of the fact that our people have been uh, pushed out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, th- exactly. So, in other words, there's. In terms of historical place, Assyrians should have a lot more numbers, and they've left because they've been pushed out. Sure, exactly. So that that number is not enough. But again, it's arguably to say if it's you know five is okay or not. But five was what they agreed on. Now, you, in two thousand ten, we received three of the five votes. Now, when you say we, do you mean like the Assyrian Democratic Movement? I mean the Assyrian Democratic Movement. Zawa received. Uh, Three of the five, correct. So that means that after Saddam was um, removed, that the ADM was really the voice and the, the powerful voice of the nation to be able to receive the majority vote. Well, yeah. Uh, in 2003, Rabi Nadam Khanna was, uh, he was the signer on the Declaration of Independence, I guess, for Iraq. Um, and he was appointed by the, by the Bremer administration when they came to... Um, to sort of, uh, I guess, westernize Iraq. Um, right. In in terms of, I think it was a, it was a failure, uh, but they still attempted to westernize the country in terms of its new democratic processes, which again I don't think it could happen in one or even two generations to sort of, the, to provide democracy to a country that's always been dictated on for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Rabi Nadam Kenna was actually um, he was appointed by the Bremer administration, and then. Uh, Ever since then, we've been in government. You know, we've been, um, we've had you representation. You had a seat at the table. Correct, correct. And then the, in 2010 was where um, real opposition um, approached us, where we saw um, we saw an organization come out of nowhere, um, claiming that that it's it's a Syrian Chaldean Syriac, yet we know that it's um, it's got badge carrying KDP members as as um, as its representatives. Um, and we realized that they were even receiving votes from areas that Assyrians didn't even exist, like Sleimaniya at the time. Um, they were getting five, 6,000 votes from areas where there weren't even more than 20 or 30 families living in there. So what happened was um, the Kurds found a way to manipulate the quota system by creating proxy organizations and obtaining more seats that way. And that's in 2010, and then again in 2014, and then obviously it was completely blatantly obvious in 2018. So it's a slow process of impersonating 
in order to gain the seat. Absolutely. It's unfortunate, but I'm just going to give a small example. Um, in 2010, there was uh, 50, there's just, just over 50,000 voters for the quota. Um, just over 50,000 voters for the quota. And in 2010, it had a 72% turnout ratio. Okay, so 72% of Iraqis voted. And for the Assyrian quota, there was 50,000 votes. Fast forward to 2018. Voter turnout had decreased to 44%. Yet the Christian quota went up to 109,000 votes. Are you telling me that Christians have reversed migrated without even me knowing? You know. So how is it possible that those votes increased when I know that there has been less of my people living in that country in compared to 2010? More have escaped, more have left, more have fled. So how is it possible that that number has been increasing? Does that make sense? Uh, it makes perfect sense. So how is it possible? Well, again, now not only did the Kurds find, find you know, Kurds know that loophole, but now even Shia Arabs found that loophole oh, as well. Okay. Okay, okay, so so the rest of the groups caught on. They and caught the Assyri- on. To, the yeah. Zoa wasn't able to catch on. Well, no, it's, I mean, what can we do? I mean, we've tried. We've actually, in January of 2018, um, Imad Yuhanna, who is one of our one of the two representatives that we currently have as of this moment, um, in the the in the parliament. Right. He actually asked that for the quota there needs to be a separate box for only Christians. That means you know when you actually vote. Only a Christian can vote for that box. And then uh, about a month or two later, IHEC um, provided an answer saying, we can't do that. They cannot go ahead and provide a box for, um, for sectarian reasons. This, to me, feels, it, it's like a classic trick. So what's the deal? I mean, to, the, if what you're saying is true, how has nobody gotten on top of it? And, and it, does the U.S. play a role in organizing these elections in any way? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, we, we've, we've, we've informed the U.S. about these issues, about um, voter manipulation and manipulating the system and sort of stealing my votes. Um, they know about it. But we, again, we are such a minor issue to them. And this is the problem, that we have not held the U.S. government accountable. They should be held accountable for what has happened for my people. In terms of actually um, you know, going in there under the wrong impression of weapons of mass destruction all right, and, and removing a dictator without replacing the system with a proper system. They were fine, get rid of the dictator. That's exactly what we all want. But at least provide us a system that works, not a broken system. Because that system is broken, and it's been broken for the last 15 or 16 years, right? It hasn't been corrected ever since the fall of Saddam. Didn't doesn't mean that the system is correct. The system isn't working properly, and we can see that happening till this day. You know, the system is just it's irreparable as of right now. Um, but I'm hoping that you know in in the future that the U.S. government does something to help us absolutely because they are to be held accountable for what has happened to my people. But when those votes change and these proxy people get in, put in power, then it means more and more Assyrians and more and more Christians in the Middle East, they're going to be gone, right? Because it means they're losing power. You're marginalizing our people, absolutely. And here's the thing. It's like there's 329 seats left. 
There's 329, sorry, 329 total seats. And they're doing this for those five well, seats. Yeah, I mean, is, is, it really, are you really, is it really that important that you get my five seats as well? Well, that, then why? I why mean, is I, it that important? It must be, because I guess one or two votes in Parliament can swing things one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing just this depth of wisdom and background for the ZOA movement. Um, and it's sad to hear these results. Do you see any glimmer of hope for the Assyrians in Iraq and for the ZOA movement? Um, absolutely. I, I don't think I would continue doing what I'm doing if I didn't see any hope. Yeah. And I guess, let me rephrase that question. What are the bright spots you see moving forward for the Assyrian people in Iraq and ZOA movement? Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, you always have to have a voice. So political representation is really critical. Mm-hmm. But I'll be the first to say, ZOA wasn't built on seats we sat on the floor for a good good term of our of our of our life basically right because you didn't get the seats until 2003 exactly meaning we were we were we were in the mountains so you're ready to go back to the mountains if you have to i think we should be absolutely and that's the thing we're not here for seats we're acquiring those seats because our nation demands us to our nation demands us to represent it right and we believe that through the political system even though it's a broken one, we can fix that system. Or once it fixes, once it's ready to actually work properly, that we are there representing our people. But ZOA is is, is, is an ideology. It's a, it's a way of thinking, right? So it's never going to go away. We always say, you know, a martyr never dies. You know, as long as his ideology is still being pressed forward, he lives forever, you know? And same thing with ZOA. I think ZOA is a, is a way of thinking. You're always going to be around. Right? And today, um, let's say even if we have one seat or two seats or whatever it may be, um, we're always going to continue fighting for our nation. And obviously the next steps are, are, are it's, a, it's a province that we're looking for in the, in the Nimba Plains where we can self-administer ourselves um, in accordance to the Constitution of Iraq under Article 125, which is what we've always pushed for and what we're continuing to push for since 2005. So... Absolutely. I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, this is just a bump in the road, nothing more. Some people are making a bigger deal out of it, thinking, oh, well, Zoa lost its seats, Zoa lost its power. You know, it, our, our, our power isn't in our seats. It's, it's in our thoughts. It's in, in the way we do things, right? It's in our, in our strategy, right? It's in our ideology. That's where Zoa's power is. And it's in our supporters. You know, a lot of people say, well, well, if it's in your supporters, why couldn't you get enough votes in diaspora? Well, IHEC made it so, IHEC is the Independent High Electoral Commission, made it so challenging for our diaspora voters to come out and vote. They made it on a Thursday and a Friday, from, and the voting times were from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., where everyone's working. I mean, it's very, our people already have a tough time coming out when it's easy, so imagine when it's even harder to The come. diaspora vote counts? Yeah, oh, well, not, not, not all of them. That. Okay. What? So. Because um, I did, I saw people voting in Canada and Chicago and. Those votes impact the elections in Iraq? Absolutely, yeah. Well, again, uh, according to Article 18 and 20 of the Constitution, and I could be wrong, but I think it's 18 and 20, um, it allows people who were natural-born Iraqis um, who even live outside to actually cast a vote. And this was something that was decided um, from, the, from the beginning of the new, the new, uh, the new Constitution. That allows these people, because again, even my parents, if, if there wasn't Christian oppression or a minority oppression, 
chances are I would be an Iraqi. My parents would be living peacefully in their home country, right, in their homeland. And I would be an Iraqi. I wouldn't be born here. They wouldn't have migrated out of Iraq, correct? So because of that, because of that regime that existed for so long and oppressed the people of, of that nation, um, they allowed out-of-country voting because there were so many Iraqis living abroad. Um, so that allowed um, places where there's Iraqi population, Iraqi communities to vote, Chicago being one of them, um, Michigan, another one, uh, Arizona, California, Canada, at least in the U.S., and then so on, like Australia and parts of Europe as well. So they actually took responsibility to a degree for what's happened. Well, IHEC support, support, yeah, did to some extent to allow these voices to be heard. And I put that very delicately because that's not the case. And I don't think even though they're saying it, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, my voice is important in diaspora, um, but they don't make it that easy. They make it even more difficult for me. So if that's the case, why are you even bothering with me? Why do you just remove that from the law? You know, just get, amend the law. How many Assyrians that left Iraq that are in diaspora can currently vote to impact? Do you have that number? Well, I mean, if we if we take the whole, you know, Assyrian, Chaldean, Syriac community and we can range that number for anywhere between 2.5 million to 3 million, or let's just leave it at 2 million mm-hmm. just to have a nice consistent number. Let's say there's 2 million. And we claim that there's about 300,000 living in Iraq, meaning there's about 1.7 million of our people living in diaspora, which are or now, now that's just Iraqis, right? That's not, or that's all of the Syrians. That's not all Iraqis. Let's just say, I don't know, maybe half of them are Iraqis. There's a large number of Iraqis living in diaspora. I don't know the exact number, but there's a large number of them that are living out there. Um, that, however, they just need the necessary documentation to prove that they're Iraqis in order to vote. And again, according to those articles that I mentioned, Article 18, Article 20, um, even the son of an Iraqi-born or a daughter of an Iraqi-born has the right to vote. Now, were you able to vote? I was. Unfortunately, my 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 vote didn't wasn't cat. It wasn't. Uh, it was rejected. Why? Um, documentation reasons they oh. said they said even my parents were rejected this time but they were my parents were accepted in 2014 they were accepted in 2010 this time they were rejected so they don't make it easy they've made it difficult every year that every every term that has come they've made it more and more difficult yeah and that's why when you tell me about zoa there is this backbone of you know what first and foremost we're going to hold our ground first and foremost we're going to look out for uh, what we're trying to do. Absolutely. And you mentioned holding your ground literally. And I like to look at that as a literal perspective in terms of holding our ground. Because a lot of people ask me, this, why, why, why are you messing with the homeland? You know, I, we've already lost Iraq. Well, no, I don't think we've lost Iraq. I think if we lose Iraq, it's going to be bad for our nation because of, of, of the fact that we're going to lose our culture. We're going to assimilate. We're going to just uh, melt. Will it be bad for Iraq? I think it will as well, yeah, because of, of uh, the culture, right? It's good to have culture, diversification. Diversity is good. And Iraq used to pride itself on diversity, right? Having many different cultures and traditions and different nationalities living in this area called, uh, this country called Iraq. To take that away, you know, would be actually very negative for the country, I think. Agreed. So... This has been just such a pleasure and it's so informative. 
to learn more about you, to learn more about your role, and to learn more about what's happening in Iraq, I know that you know we here in the States, we don't know these things. It's not like any of our news outlets, this is their main focus to report how all this stuff works. And you really gave us a behind the scenes picture. So we really appreciate that. Um, one thing I like to ask people who are on the Assyrian podcast is if you could say one thing to Assyrians all around the world who listen to the podcast, what would you say to them? And now is your chance. I would tell my people to never give up. Don't ever give up on your on 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 what belongs to you, right? It's it's our right to be a Syrian. Be proud of who you are. Love who you are. You know, have that have that that passion for your people. You know, because if I don't love my people, who will? Who's gonna mind my people? Who's gonna take care of my people? I have to take care of my own people before anyone else does. So. I always urge every Assyrian to come forward and do what's necessary for its nation. Amen. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for being on the Assyrian podcast. It was a blast. Thanks for taking the time. Well, I want to thank you, and I want to thank all the listeners. Honestly, um, my nation is 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 my pride. Honest to God, it's the pride of what I do. So, um, I love my people. I love my nation, and I I wish us as much success as possible. We're going to include all of your contact information that you wanted to share in the show notes. Um, and so look them up on Facebook, Alexander David. And is that, is that, I, unfortunately, I don't have Facebook. Oh, good for you. Good but, for you. But, uh, Where uh, could they connect with you on social media? Um, I do have a Twitter and I do have an Instagram. Um, and they can, they can contact me through ADM Illinois. I have a media team that will, re- will send any information my way. So reach out ADM Illinois and get to know Zoa and get to know Alexander David and all the work that he's doing. So thanks so much, Alex. Thank you, sir. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Assyrian Podcast. If you like what you are hearing, please subscribe and review us wherever you listen to us. Spread the word about the Assyrian Podcast. It has been so much fun to grow this podcast alongside you, our listeners, from all around the world. Thank you for making the Assyrian Podcast what it is. And remember, dial 415-349-3845. Again, that's 415-349-3845. And leave us a message or email us at info at with your name, location, your favorite episode, and why. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time.